Chapter six to seven of Tristram Shandy, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Julie van Wallichem. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman, Volume One, by Lawrence Stern. Chapter six. In the beginning of the last chapter, I informed you exactly when I was born. But I did not inform you how. No, that particular was reserved entirely for a chapter by itself. Besides, sir, as you and I are in a manner perfect strangers to each other, it would not have been proper to have let you into too many circumstances relating to myself all at once. You must have a little patience. I have undertaken, you see, to write not only my life, but my opinions also— hoping and expecting that your knowledge of my character and of what kind of mortal i am by the one would give you a better relish for the other as you proceed farther with me the slight acquaintance which is now beginning betwixt us will grow into familiarity and that unless one of us is in fault will terminate in friendship odium preclarum that nothing which has touched me will be thought trifling in its nature or tedious in its telling therefore my dear friend and companion if you should think me somewhat sparing of my narrative on my first setting out bear with me and let me go on and tell my story in my own way or if i should seem now and then to trifle upon the road or should sometimes put on a false cap with the bell to it for a moment or two as we pass along don't fly off but rather cautiously give me credit for a little more wisdom than appears upon my outside and as we jog on, either laugh with me, or at me, or, in short, do anything. Only keep your temper. CHAPTER Seven. In the same village where my father and my mother dwelt, dwelt also a thin, upright, motherly, notably good old body of a midwife, who, with the help of a little plain good sense and some years' full employment in a business, in which she had all along trusted little to her own effort, and a great deal to those of Dame Nature, had acquired in her way no small degree of reputation in the world, by which word world need I in this place inform your worship that I would be understood to mean no more of it than a small circle described upon the circle of the great world of four English miles diameter or thereabouts, of which the cottage where the good old woman lived is supposed to be the centre. She had been left, it seems, a widow in great distress, with three or four small children in her forty-seventh year, and as she was at that time a person of decent carriage, grave deportment, a woman, moreover, of few words, and withal an object of compassion, whose distress and silence under it called out the louder for a friendly lift. The wife of the parson of the parish was touched with pity, at having often lamented an inconvenience to which her husband's flock had for many years been exposed, inasmuch as there was no such thing as a midwife of any kind or degree to be got at, let the case be never so urgent, within less than six or seven long miles riding, which is said seven long miles in dark nights and dismal roads, the country thereabouts being nothing but a deep clay was almost equal to fourteen, and that in effect was sometimes next to having no midwife at all, it came into her head that it would be doing a seasonable a kindness to the whole parish 
as to the poor creature herself, to get her a little instructed in some of the plain principles of the business, in order to set her up in it, as no woman thereabouts was better qualified to execute the plan she had formed than herself, the gentlewoman very charitably undertook it, and, having great influence over the female part of the parish, she found no difficulty in effecting it to the utmost of her wishes. In truth, the parson joined his interest with his wives in the whole affair, and, in order to do things as if they should be, and give the poor soul as good a title by law to practice, as his wife had given by institution, he cheerfully paid the fees for the ordinary's license himself, amounting in the whole to the sum of eighteen shillings and four pence, so that betwixt them both the good woman was fully invested in the real and corporal possession of her office, together with all its rights, members, and appurtenances whatsoever. These last words, you must know, were not according to the old form in which such licenses faculties and powers usually ran which in like cases had heretofore been granted to the sisterhood but it was according to a neat formula of didius his own devising who having a particular turn for taking to pieces and new framing over again all kind of instruments in that way not only hit upon this dainty amendment but coaxed many of the old licensed matrons in the neighbourhood to open their faculties afresh in order to have this wem wem of his inserted I own I never could envy Didius in these kinds of fancies of his. But every man to his own taste. Did not Dr. Conanstrokius, that great man at his leisure hours, take the greatest delight imaginable in coming of asses' tails, and plucking the dead hairs out with his teeth, so he had tweezers always in his pocket? Nay, if you come to that, sir, have not the wisest of men in all ages, not excepting Solomon himself, have they not had their hobby-horses, their running-horses, their coins and their cockle-shells, their drums and their trumpets, their fiddles and their pallets, their maggots and their butterflies, and so long as a man rides his hobby-horse peaceably and quietly along the king's highway, and neither compels you or me to get up behind him, pray, sir, what have either you or I to do with it? End of chapter 6-7 to seven.